This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. You're listening to the Monday Metrospective with Jason Bonington on SEN Track. Hour. I do talk to myself for hours sometimes. And I'll tell you what, there's some stunning conversations that come out of it. Um, welcome to Metrospective. We start the week in the right way as we head towards the great Southern Star and the Hunter Cup and the conclusion, the climax of the Summer of Glory Carnival and the man who always joins me, or almost always joins me for this day and this Metrospective show on us here in track. Steve Cleave, how are you, my friend? I'm very well, Jay Bon, and uh, how about yourself? Uh, outstanding. Um, looking forward to this week very, very much. I um, uh, wish there was a Hunter Cup, but I draw. there's not. But anyway, uh, there's no, uh, but we'll get the uh, the draws for the Hunter Cup and the Greats from the Star um, coming very, very soon. But before we do that, we have to analyse the meeting on Saturday night, night two of SOG, Casey Classic VL Dallard Trotters Cup night. And it was. So, so the theme that I had in the form comment was confusion, but it was a roller coaster night, uh, no doubt now uh, defined really by um, the chasm between the uh, the ages of the winning trainers and drivers, which has been um, very well documented over the last couple of days, all the way down to 17-year-old Abby Sanderson, and then right at the end of the night, 82-year-old Bob Kutchenmeister and everything in between, and it sort of does make you sit back and be extremely proud of the industry you're involved with, Steve. It sure does, mate. And uh, and not only to those guys, I'm going to give a bit of a hats off to you too because that interview at the end of the night, Trots Vision went overtime uh, so they could actually have that that interview with you and Bob Kuchmeiser. And honestly, mate, that was one of the nicest interviews I've ever seen. You can just see, you know, that I suppose Bob, being around for so long and how proud he is to have done it. And not only that, but you, the way you'd be able to bring it across and to be able to show that heartfelt side of it, it was just an amazing interview. And if any of our listeners haven't watched it, jump onto Twitter and go and suss it out because, yeah, it's a fantastic watch. And, you know, just as you say, it shows you how good our sport is. We've got 17-year-old winning a Group 1 and an 82-year-old, you know, finishing off the night. You can't do that. I mean, could you imagine an 82-year-old riding a thoroughbred at the races tomorrow? Uh, I can't. Um, no. And I, <laughs> I, I, I very appreciate the kind words and all the kind words on uh, on socials about that interview. But, you know, it was – it's a bit of a dream come true when you get to, uh, whether it's, you know, being able to join trainers and drivers and owners after they've won um, big races. But that was a, that was a, that was a pretty special one because uh, I grew up in Geelong. Bobby's been down there in the Bannockburn area or down that uh, Inverlee way for a fair while. And um, I, just to see, and I can tell as soon as the race was over, the smile was already there and it carried right across to our chat and just seeing his, his happiness, because as, as I mentioned in that, in that interview, probably about, I don't know, a few months ago, I was down in Geelong and, and Bobby, I, I think, was uh, struggling with an infection or something and he and he wasn't feeling 100%. And it, knowing Bobby for a fair while, he's always got a, a smile on his dog and you thought to yourself, geez, I, just, I don't like seeing him um, 
you know, not in the best of health. And he was just, he looked like he was 52, not 82. And then when he told me, Clevey, that he, that he started, well, he kept on going up, up in numbers like the price is right. When he told me that <laughs> that first one at the showgrounds was at 37, I, I very near collapsed. Yeah, it's a, it's an amazing effort. And um, you're right, he was, he was very chipper on the night and so he should be. And when you're listening to him, you know, I mean, look, he is an older guy. We're not going to, you know, argue that. And you don't want to sound rude saying he looks, you know, like an older person of 82. But when you listen to him talk, he certainly doesn't sound it. He is so switched on and so quick-witted. And uh, I reckon you could sit down and just talk to him for hours because, um you know, he, he would have so many stories he could tell you and uh, and ones that you would just sort of hang on every word as he's telling you as well. Don't you reckon there is that there must be something about um, racing about this game, though, because it's all, it's been a very, very familiar theme over my career that when you're talking to people who are still actively involved in their 70s and 80s and even Arthur Fullwood, I think it was in his 90s when I did an interview with him years ago, that how... I th- the, the work or the horses or the passion or the enthusiasm, something must keep you switched on because the people who are in the game in their um, yeah, scepter, octo and nonagenarians uh, are usually incredibly switched on, aren't they? They certainly are. And look, I, I, I pretty much put it down to us being uh, almost like we're self-isolating. We're, we're not stuck in the middle of the hustle and bustle in the city and and with, uh, you know, things just totally driving you crazy. I mean, horses certainly drive you crazy, but uh, that's a choice. Um, and I think just being out in the country air and, and being able to play around with these wonderful animals certainly keeps you young. I mean, I certainly don't feel as old as what my age is. I, I feel a lot younger, and hopefully that continues. I don't know if I'll still be going as good as Bobby is at 82. I'll, I'll think I'll be happy if I just get to 82. I reckon uh, I'll get to race one in a moment, but I reckon part of it as well is that it's uh, the obligation. You know, you, if you're going to work with horses, you've got to get up every morning and look after them, and you've got to, and you've got to feed up. And um, there's an old saying that hard work never killed anybody, and you think to yourself, maybe some people get a little bit older, and they, if they don't have to get, if they don't have to do things, maybe you just sort of lay in bed a bit longer and then relax on the couch. Well, if you've got horses, you can't do that. Race one was won by Common Courtesy, and this is one of those sickening moments. Um, you would have had them yourself uh, since joining the Metrospective team, Cleavy, where you sort of half black book one, and then you just think to yourself, well, that's the wrong race. Um, and I, I'm not sure I black book common courtesy, but I think we were both really happy with that last start run. It was a big step in the right direction, but um, nobody could have convinced either of us. I don't think that they were going to go 26-7 off the arm here. Uh, no, I, I felt exactly the same way as you did when she lobbed 1-1 after that early pace. I felt a little bit sick because, as you say, we, we didn't black book her, but we did mention her as a definite horse to follow. Um that previous run was was certainly her stepping back up to you know her best after she'd been competing against some really good mares uh, before the New Year's Eve carnival and uh, yeah it was great to see and when he when he pulled her out gee she just took off and said uh, this is how I like it and uh, away she went and yeah you couldn't have been more impressed with how she was and and same with the t- the next two in the running actually Bonnie Bell I thought was terrific and Makabar Diva stuck on exceptionally yeah. well as, as well so uh, the top three very impressive runs and still be putting a, a big follow against all of those three horses. And to be honest, no great knock on the the Kiwi first up here because Rikiro Rebel would never have you know dreamt about going twenty six seven off the gate in New Zealand and. It is funny. I can see there's a scope, but next to the names of Rikiro Rebel and Blood Moon. But if I was scoping for anything, it was 
whether they'd caught their breath um, 10 minutes after the race because they, they kept recovering from a burn like that. So 6.7 lead time even. For those who don't who don't uh, know, because you don't probably look at the lead time that, that often in a 1,720-metre race, but if you break seven seconds for the lead time in a 1,720-metre race at Melton, you've already been moving. And then to go 26.7, um, gee, it's just awfully awful. Even if they dropped anchor to 31 rather than going 29.7 the second quarter, it's so hard to recover, isn't it? Because it's it's like, I remember Michael Guerin talking about it this way, where you just sprint, and we've talked about this before, and you can't get, just trying to catch your breath is extremely hard. It certainly is. And like you say, it's 26-7. That, that scope is exactly what you just mentioned. It shouldn't really be a scope. They shouldn't, yeah, if they actually looked at that race straight up, look at the times, you can understand exactly why those horses finished where they did and how they did. Ricardo Rebel actually probably done a great job to finish as close as it did. You know, I mean, there was three horses over the line together, Praytel, Sassiola and Ricardo Rebel. Uh, but after that early burn, like you say, still not even being able to get slower than a 30 makes it extremely tough. And, uh, yeah, when, when they pulled the pin on uh, Common Courtesy and, and, yeah, let it loose, it just took off and said, uh, thank you very much for the early burn. I'll take advantage of that right now. Tata Madiba. We are going to go for our first break here on the Metrospective edition of Trots Live to start this very, very big and exciting week in Victorian harness racing. When we come back, we'll have a squizzle dizzle at race two, one by Let's Rock, Let's Roll. I told everyone to back into the Friday form panel. Didn't have a Zach on. Talk about that in a minute. Welcome back to the Monday Metrospective on SEN Track. Text us on 0499 736 736. Ah, it's beautiful. It's a beautiful tune. It's a beautiful day. It's a beautiful time of year. Summer of glory. Night two at Melton. And uh, this second race, there's enough heartbreak with common courtesy, Clevy, but uh, then you go to Let's Rock, Let's Roll. And I don't even... Sometimes I feel like I need to partially lobotomize myself and try and work out exactly what I'm thinking or doing because... I saw Let's Rock, uh, Let's Roll at $21 and I'd marked it five and I thought, oh, yeah, well, I'll, I'll get around to having a bet on it. Yeah, anyway, that was too late. The uh, the price came in for Let's Rock, Let's Roll and it was. So at the time, tell me you're thinking at the time because all this conjecture about the mountain track, right? And then they swoop from out wide and common courtesy came from off the speed. Um, but probably at this stage... We weren't respecting the the times enough, were we? Because I think you go later in the night, and there wasn't a hell of a lot wrong with the track. And and in context, let's rock, let's rolls win is enormous, and that's the second enormous win in a row from a very good horse who, in the twilight of his career, is hitting top gear. Yeah, it was a terrific win, and uh, it, it's funny because I looked at this race and Captain Belisario, he, he's He's just a confusing cap character, and I've never, I've probably never ever back him because of his little antics that he does have. You know, he can hang a little bit, can do things wrong. And uh, early on, I, I actually had three bets in the race. I, I backed Let's Roll, Let's Roll at thirteen dollars because of his win at Bendigo. That mm. was just, you know, I thought, wow, if, if it's a, a quick one race, he will be there. I backed, had a little bet on So What, and also Daylight at Dawn, and they'll mm. both, all three of them were at double figure odds. And I thought, well. It's worth playing that 
if I really just don't like Captain Balisario. So uh, he turned out a pretty good, you know, result in the end. And uh, let's rock, let's roll. He, he looks to be going the best he has in his career, really. He's just, uh, he's reeling off times like you wouldn't believe. I mean, they went 28-5, 27-5. And we speak about this a lot. We're quite often... If they went 27-5 down the back and they got home in 28-5, then that really sets it up for a swooper like Let's Rock, Let's Roll. But this week, they've gone 28-5 and got home quicker, and he still managed to run over the top of them. And that, and about five and six wide too. So if you go back and really break down this race, that was a massive win by him. Oh, huge. I've got to say, he was one of those horses, I reckon um... – Sucked everybody in at some point, right? When he was younger, because he would he would explode with this extraordinary speed, like we saw on on uh, on Saturday night, and then he'd go up a grade or even half a grade, and then it sort of he it just all wouldn't work out, and you'd think, oh, I got sucked in again. But geez, I, 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 he's always been wonderful to watch, hasn't he? He's been one of those horses you've always looked at and thought, I tell you what, if you could ever put it all together, and it's just taken because he was a little bit late to the party. Um, it's just taken time, hasn't it? I, I don't see why he can't. I know it says nine next to his name, but I can't see why he can't hold this. And 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 who knows? Because the last couple of runs have been the let's rock, let's roll that we probably always dreamed and imagined he might become. Yep, for sure. And and look, even though he is nine, something about sit sprinters is they tend to race a lot longer yep. because they're not. You know, if if a race just doesn't turn out to suit, they're not having a gut buster. You know that you're not going to the well every week with them. Whereas if you've got a horse that's really tough and has to be up there doing the work, you're almost going to the well every single start. So their career can't go quite as long. So yeah, the fact that he's nine years old would never concern me. You know, a trainer like David Aiken, I've I've been up with David and uh, I've actually taken me horses up there to pass work with him a few times. And you know, they don't do much on the track at home. So you know, this horse is not getting you know worn out on the training track, and he's certainly not getting worn out on the racetrack. So there's no reason why he won't just keep putting them together the way he is. He's in a nice grade at the moment, and uh, yeah, if he just as I said, if he draws really good and he's hitting leaders back, you know he's going to sprint home. If he draws really bad and they go mad up in front, you know he's going to sprint home. So they'll continue to have a lot of fun with him. So part of the measure of the win here is that he is son of a gun, who's one of the best hit sprinters going around, has peeled and rolled one horse in front of Let's Rock, Let's Roll and um, and still finished 1.4 metres away. So nothing really wrong with the run of he's son of a gun. I caught up with Jack Law later in the night, Clevy, and – I think we. I think he and I were probably in um, uh, furious concurrency with Captain Belisario. He said pass mark, and that's about where I'm going to give it as well. Because on one hand, you look at a horse sitting park where he doesn't normally do that in 53 flat on a track that they say is you know slightly heavy, and you say, well, how can you knock that? But if he's going to be the um, megastar that we hope he might be in the future. He'd still win the race, probably. So it's yes, pass mark. But I um I want to see more. He's definitely a better horse for mine off the speed. I get that, but it's not like he he over raced horribly or anything on uh, on Saturday night. Uh, anything else you took from the race? I think another one that you backed, uh, Daylight at Dawn. Just I'm not saying that there was heaps left, and if there was a clear run, that Daylight at Dawn would have just sliced a passage and won. But I think there was a little bit of conserved energy just following through and never really getting an ultra clear crack at them late. Yeah, can't disagree with that. Uh, you know, as I said, I, I had a little bit on Daylight Dawn and so what 
So what's been flashing home late as well. And, and look, both their runs I thought were very good. I mean, they've only been beaten 4.5 metres. And what a fantastic race, really. And you talk about um, horses, racing horses in the same class as each other at the same level. This whole field has gone over the line in basically two lengths. It's just, uh, you know, when you see a field of 10 and there's like two lengths between them, then you know that that system for that field there has worked sort of perfectly because uh, that was a terrific finish. And yeah, I was a little bit, uh, a little bit gun shy and he's a son of a gun. I don't think he probably went as good as he can go. I think he's normally a bit quicker sprinter than what he was. He sort of, I don't know, uh, let's rock, let's roll. He's very quick, but he, he ran up and passed him pretty easy and on the corner, not actually just in the straight. He, he went from behind him to wheel to wheel on the corner. So, yeah, I was a little bit question mark about he's a son of a gun. Shorty's mate had a perfect run. And, yeah, like you say, Daylight of Dawn, uh, I certainly wouldn't be getting off it next up. And I think I've got a really uh, strange study. So, so what has been in front six times uh, at the bell in her career for no wins and two placings, so yeah. I think we might have something there. Might be, I, I, well, no knock whatsoever on the on the tactics, and it was actually brilliant gate driving by Jackie Barker to get so what off and lead. Um, but I'm, are we both in agreement that she's probably better, even if you are going to do that lead trail, come off the speed. That's it. That's her best go. Yeah, 100%. But as you said, I mean, she's still gone terrific to only get beaten, you know, yeah. just over length in 4.5 metres. So, as I said, even when uh, you have a little losing bet on them, I certainly wasn't disappointed in either of those two. So, you know, keep them in your books because uh, they'll keep giving you a good run for your money. So just as all the talk began and the um, the whispers started to move around the track on family night at, at uh, Melton about... You know, what was the track like? Would they have to come out wide? Was the pegs in the right place to be? Could you lead and win? Race three, leader behind leader three poles. Um, so back to normal transmission. Outlaw man looked the absolute good thing of the night. And they left him hanging out around $1.60, $1.65. Again, I should have just um, uh, gone to a loan shark and got as much as I could. But it was down to $1.35 in the finish. And, um, and it was one of those classically peg-dominated races. And once again, you talk about tempo, 53 flat race two, that amazingly fast first quarter race one, where you get back to some of the more um, um, Melton-like sectionals here, uh, Clevey, and, and things went back to normal. 46-2, lead time is just walking. 62-9 first half is um, beneath pedestrian, and then they've ripped home in 55-2. So we didn't learn much more about Outlaw Man, I don't think, but he, he is a pretty progressive horse. He certainly is. He was uh, one of two of my best bets of the night and uh, $1.65 I thought was pretty good odds and the punters must have because he just kept coming in and in and in and uh, they didn't stop and yeah, he got to the front, had his own uh, own way. You know, they, once they sort of got away the 31-4, 31-5, they, they were never going to catch him. Audio Pace finished it off really well, got a bit closer than I expected him to. Jillaby Dynamite again flashing through late and Major Watson very good as well. Uh, another one that sort of went okay from that previous race, same stable with Greg Fleming, Murray's bonus. Um, you know, that stable's just so consistent um, and they're always always around the mark. Uh, where's Seggy? Just, you know, no luck at all in the sense of, you know, it's had to come from behind three wide, uh, you know, just coming up to the half mile marker and then they've gone 27-9, 27-3 and he's <laughs> off the track 
and struggling on the corners and still managed to only get beat 9.9 metres. So uh, although he's got an eighth next to his name, I, I wouldn't be uh, very disappointed in that run, that's for sure. Now, and again, this is uh, um, no knock on the, on the young man, Ryan Sanderson, because he's a very, very good young driver and he's got a huge future. I, I just reckon this is just something that I've always believed. So sometimes uh, I think the drivers go out there thinking, I'll make, a, uh, I'll make a long, sustained run, and that won't be as hard on the horse as making a mid-race move. Um, but in this case, I would have thought, and again, like – Far bit from me to say I, w- I wouldn't have the uh, I wouldn't have the the uh, intelligence out there or the reactionary time to ma- make the decision. But I look at that race, Clavy, and think we make a mid race move um, while they're walking, and then you're up on the scene, and then you just it's actually a much easier run. So where's Seggy? You're out there, and as soon as you start to progress forward, and he did it the right way, uh, the late great Gavin Langway, where you don't try and zip forward, you you progress forward. You just you just sort of move into the race. But the problem is when you're out there and then all of a sudden the foot goes flat to the boards and you're going 27-9, it, it's a horrible place to be, isn't it? You're in, you're in hell. You're in, uh, you're in the seventh circle of hell being three wide when they really put the foot down and you're just sort of stuck out there. Yeah, correct. It's, it's something you've got to sum up during the run, like you say. First quarter, 31-4, and they hadn't quickened up. They weren't going to hold where Seggy out if he did go around yeah. the death seat. So that's that, that was that's the, the point as well, isn't it? You've got to know you've got, to know you've got a horse that – you don't want to be going up there, you know, with a thirty uh, percent chance of getting the breeze. But if you if you if you're very confident, you can get the breeze. Yeah, and he would have got that, no yeah. worries at all. And and I know what you're saying about just easing out and jogging up like Gavin did when they've gone that slow. Where he actually pulled out, they were still walking. I actually feel he would have been better off whipping around and getting up outside. You know. As, getting past as many horses as he could before they put the hammer down yeah. because then you can't get around them. So instead of maybe just pulling out, when he pulled out, I thought, okay, you've done it the right time. You've got to get on your bike and get going, get up as close as you can and then try to hold your ground. But coming out and not going forward when you know they're going to rip probably hurt him twice as much I, as well. I, so I, I, think the, I think the hard part in this situation is it might have been like 150, 200 metres too late. Um, if, if so, to whip around in that when they've gone forty six two and thirty one four, I think you've got to be able to um, do it then because probably the fear factor then is if I start really running and then and then the foot goes flat to the floor. But you, 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 yeah, I definitely agree with you in this circumstance that if you sort of get up there quickly enough, then you've only run. So sometimes it can just mean running. Well, we see we see uh, Chris Elvin and Nathan Jack are a couple of great drivers at this actually getting them getting uh, the leaders napping and whipping around and finding the front. Sometimes you've really just got to burn. If you've got a fast horse for about 100, 150 metres, don't you? Yeah. yeah. Yep. you just got to take that opportunity or just accept that your race is over and then just try to drive it, you know, to look after the horse, I suppose. It's, you know, a bit of a catch-22. It's never easy, let me tell you. Some punters and uh, and uh, four medalists try and make it sound easy. It's never easy. We're going to go Mate, from I, yeah. I do it on the track and I do it here, and I can tell you now, it's a lot easier sitting here. <laughs> <laughs> we'll go to the news, find out what's happening in the world, then we'll come back more retrospective with Jay Bond and Steve Cleave. Welcome back to the Monday Metrospective on SEN Track. Text us on oh four double nine seven three six seven three six.
Welcome back to uh, Trot's Life and uh, Monday Metrospective with Jason Bonington and Steve Cleave. We are reviewing the races from Tabcourt Park, Melton on Saturday night. Three races down. We're just coming up to race four and uh, just waiting for Jason Bonington to rejoin He's us here. and go through the win of Street Kid. Uh, you're with us, Bon? I'm, I'm here. I'm here. Ready to roll. Um, I'm just doing a little bit of an, uh, a live read for an ad in the break. Um, Street Kid, yeah. Now, this was... This is a shock for me, um, but here's the concluding status. Here's the audio of Street Kid winning Heat 2 of the Nutrien Equine Mercury 80 Series over 1,200 metres. Our cheeky devil and Sheffield Sparky between runners last, but taking off a Street Kid. It's uh, gone ahead of them by six or seven metres. It's raced away here. Off the back in 27.6, and Street Kid took off around the turn. Race clear of Aussie Battle, loving a Chevy Bulletproof Boy, Firefox. They're a long way back. Sheffield Sparky back to the inside. Firefox in front with 100 left to travel. Though with a big lead, and it's well clear as Street Kid Firefox trying to get over the top into the placing with Bulletproof Boy. A great lineup for the miners, but what a win! Street Kid, Street Kid won it. Now, Sheffield Sparky might have got second from Firefox, they're wide apart. Then, Bulletproof Boy loving a Chevy, Street Kid outstanding. There's the win, and I don't know whether we have got the interview with we might try and play it a couple of the interviews as well. The post race interviews, LB Ashwood on this occasion, I must admit. I was looking at the um, uh, at the market here, Cleveland. I thought there's one horse a lot shorter than I've marked, and it's Street Kid. Have I got something wrong here? Because I just saw an enormous amount of early speed and everyone getting in everyone else's way. So I thought you never know if Love and Chevy was ever going to use gate speed, but Al Boston's got it. Aussie Battler. I was thinking Street Kid's the quickest, I reckon. Yeah, I'm happy with that. But will he get across that easily? But geez, I tell you what, it was amazing early speed. Just burst across. And having watched Heat 1 of the Mercury 80 series, one from catch away, one by catch away from, uh, from last, then you see uh, this was more of a return to what you normally see in these 1,200-metre races. But I know it's only 1,200 metres, but it was still a pretty awesome display of sustained speed by Street Kid to win. It certainly was. He, uh, yeah, he went absolutely super, and, and I was in the same boat as you. We had a couple of texters on SEN track Saturday night, and uh, one of them said that, they heard that we had black booked this horse uh, last week after its last start. And they said, uh, is tonight the night to be getting on? And, oh, and I had a again. look and saw $4.80. And I said, oh, look, I wouldn't be doing it tonight, guys. But, uh, yeah, it made me look real silly. But, uh, no, it, it went super. And when Albie let it rip on the corner when uh, a couple of them were just starting to get off the bit, he just put a gap on them while those horses were trying to make ground out wide. It was a perfect drive by Albie. And uh, as they just before they got to the straight, I thought, oh, is he going to start tiptoeing a little bit, this horse? But when he straightened up, it was almost like he balanced up again. And uh, and then he just leveled out and said, no, nah, you're not getting anywhere near me. So terrific run. Uh, wish we had a followed our black book on that one, uh, but we didn't. As I said, I felt it was way unders yeah. at uh, $4.80. You know, I would have been looking for at least eights or tens. But uh, look, he proved us wrong, and, and I'm happy to be proved wrong when they win like that. Yeah, here's Albie Ashwood talking about uh, the win of Street Kid. Let's hope um, the selections uh, put Catch a Wave and Hurricane Halley into Hunter Cape for Street Kid's <laughs> sake. But uh, as, like them two are quality horses, like Catch a Wave's, is just a fast horse. And you see what he did last night, uh, last week, sorry. And and Hurricane Harley, we all know how good he is. And when he's on the fence, he can run unbelievable times. So um, I would like if they do go around, I think he probably can come a clear third behind them too. Yeah, he's uh, he, he's a pretty fast horse. But I, I'll tell you what. Uh, Clevy, I've I've always been of the opinion 
that these twelve hundred meter races should be kept uh, pretty niche and kitschy, and I don't like I don't hate them, but um, I, I, I've always thought I wouldn't want too many more of them. But I don't know whether I'm I'm turning around here, and for the good of the sport, I'm wondering are there do we have just do we have twelve fourteen hundred meter horses? Because I mean, Street Kids a Miler, I get that, but what he can do. What this distance does is potentially create opportunities for um, wider bandwidth races where horses not quite as good as other horses who are drawn better have gate speed and can run 1,200 metres flat out can stay in the system. And I'm wondering whether just for the benefit of the game that it's not worth having a few more so that a couple of horses um, have more racing opportunities if they if they don't believe that they are, they can get up to a middle trip and compete in their traditional bandwidth, if they're an 85 Raider and they don't believe that they can win to an 80 to 89 race over 2,240 metres, but they can win one over 1,200 metres, is there merit to having a few more of them or not? I think you and I might be mellowing a bit in our yeah, old age, Bond, so. as we, uh, we we might be starting to mature because I, I really wasn't a fan of these when they first come out, but I'm... I am. I'm, I'm a bit more of a fan now, and, and I think there's certainly a place for them. Um, I think I turned last season. I think that sort of, you know, I, I started looking at them very differently, and I do think there's definitely a place for them, a little bit like our claiming series. You know, there's places for claimers, um, and I think there's places for these races too. And uh, as I said, our horses are much finer breed now. They're more like a thoroughbred than what they used to be. They used to just be tough grinders, and that sort of thing. Now they're just so lean, mean, you know, pacing machines. And I think now, like you say, I think there are 1,200-metre, 1,400-metre horses. And I think uh, we need to evolve with the breed in our racing, not change it all up, but also but just to add it in as another sort of, you know, part of racing. And, yeah, I, I wouldn't like to see an, an abundance of them, but I'd certcertainly like to see a, a regular bit of uh, 12 to 1,400-meter racing for sure. Racing opportunities is just the key, isn't it? I mean, you've got, you've got for every type of horse, you've got to try and find races for them because I think – I wonder sometimes when we go down, you know, winding roads and people are talking about, well, if we fix this thing in the game, then everything will be right. I think – People forget that it's a, it's all a big circle that we talk about. Well, I talk about it all the time where, you know, um, punters need horses, horses need owners, owners need breeders, breeders need this and that and the other and, and sponsors and it's a big circle. You can't miss anything. But I'll tell you one thing, the absolute, if you had to pick the one most important thing, it's the horses. You can't, if, if we can't, if we've got horses and, and you're breeding them and you look at the race schedule and you say, well, I don't know if, how I'm going to make money anymore. So I'm going to retire this thing or I'm going to sell it. That's one less horse in the system. And, and I know that sounds um, pretty dramatic and theatrical, but you do that over and over and over again and you, ha- and you, haven't, got the, you haven't got the product and the product is the, is the critical key. Correct. We can't do what we do without the product, the product being the horses. And, and to show you how interesting this race is, so Catch a Wave goes around last week in a 1,200-metre race as a lead-up to a Hunter Cup yeah. over 27.60. So our horses are that versatile as well. So it's not like you're just stuck to 1,200-metre horses. Sometimes a lot of trainers may use this just to sharpen them up. And and I've thought about it, you know, with the odd horse of mine, thinking, well, if I put them in these 1,200s, will it just sharpen them up that extra little bit to what they're sort of used to racing over 2,200 every week. And and I think that maybe what that's what Andy's looked at doing with Catch a Wave is just to, he might have just needed a little sharp hit out without, you know, 
a massive sort of hard run and uh, he's trying to put him into a 27 60 meter race next week so you know if the trainers are using him like that then there's certainly a space for him well i think we might go for a break at a moment but when we come back we're going to talk sorry tom bang just because i just want to give this uh, um allied express casey classic at group three level the space that it deserves um because there's a great little segue here so catch a wave defeats hurricane harley <clears throat> That must have sharpened him up because what we saw from Hurricane Harley, one of my favourite horses of all time, uh, on a Saturday night was looked very much like the Hurricane Harley of old. And now, if life wasn't already hard enough um, for the uh, for the racing department trying to pick the Hunter Cup field, and I'm, I'm, I'll try and check when that. Do you know when that? When, the, when uh, we'll work it out. I'll uh, might message Paul Oxford and find out when that's being ratified. But honestly, now Hurricane Harley winning so impressively is in fact a selling point for Catch a Wave to get in, because I know it was a 1,200-meter race, but Catch a Wave smashed Hurricane Harley the last time they met. We'll discuss all this and much, much more straight after this break on Trot's Life. Metrospective with Steve Cleveland and Jaybon. Welcome back to the Monday Metrospective on SEN Track. Text us on 0499 736 736. flight. He's held together, looking like he's got another gear to get to, Hurricane Harley. Now shaken up and he shot away. Hurricane Harley opened up a big lead on Torrid saying AG's White Sox and then came Rick Riley, but Hurricane Harley's dashing right up the straight like the top horse we remember he was. And he cruises in. AG's White Sox continues to find the line a terrific run second. Torrid Saints run third, ten away. Fourth close, Rick Riley will... A great win by one of my favourites of all time, Hurricane Harley. The time was only 1.54.1. One. Now, that's that's moving. Don't get me wrong. This is a horse. Swap the four and the one around. What he's done in the past. 1.51.4, defeating Lock and Varart. Win an equal track record holder at Melton for the middle trip. 2,240-metre journey. It was a great win. And I'll tell you what, I was getting excited. And I tried to get Mark Pitt excited as well. I don't know whether it'll feature in this particular uh, uh, grab we're going to get from Pitty, But... Hopefully it does, because I asked him who the better horse out of Hurricane Harley in Honolulu Bay is. Here's Pity. Mark, you are a very important person for us to talk to right now. What sort of feel did he give you? Can you rate a percentage on how he felt with regards to being back, so to speak? Congratulations. Thank you very much, guys. Yeah, look, he, he felt amazing tonight. Um, he felt like the old Harley again. Um, you know, he's had those couple of runs now, and you know, if he's lucky enough to get a run in the Hunter Cup, he's gonna—they're gonna know he's there for sure. Do you think there's more improvement to him? Obviously, he didn't pull the plugs, and he just looked like he glided across those grounds in those 26 quarters. So, is there more upside to him? Yeah, look, I actually do. Um, I see tonight he just blew up a little bit over the back, so he's going to be better again for the run. Yeah, and a little bit later. Uh, I did uh, pose to um, to pity that uh, Hurricane Harley. I mean, Honolulu Bay right now is considered one of the major chances in the Hunter Cup, and um, I don't think pity. We were sort of um, playing around as we do, but I, I think pity was being pretty genuine that he thinks Hurricane Harley is the um, is the better of the two horses when he's a hundred percent ride. The key here is does he go to the Hunter Cup? Because uh, in a pre-race interview with Leviathan owner breeder Bill Anderson. They sort of said there's a chance we might try and skip it because he's not a necessarily a hunter, hunter cup horse. But I just wonder whether after that race, their minds might not have changed a little bit there, Clevy. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see which way they do go. Uh, 
I suppose if he doesn't go that way, I suppose Miracle Mile then uh, becomes on the cards. And just watching him out there on the track, you you watch the replay going down the back. He looked an absolute million dollars. He's a spunky little man. There's oh. he's not that big, but geez, a lovely type. And he he just you know you you look at him race and you think, wow, isn't he just a flash little fella? And Boy, you can run. There's no doubt about that. And as we have told the punters many times, and I'm going to say it again, if they haven't heard it, they need to write this down. The Emma Stewart horses now second up are lengths better than what they are first up. Proved it again uh, this week with Hurricane Harley. Uh, well handled by Catch a Wave last week, but uh, I reckon it would have been a different story had a Catch a Wave been in that race Saturday night. So... Again, no matter what they do, first up, win, lose, or draw, their second up runs coming out of that stable are just lengths, lengths better. So, uh, yeah, keep that in your black book. Yeah, and uh, you were you were uh, very much first on the uh, scene to talk about this um, this switch because there was a time for uh, quite a long period where we were freaked out by what they would do first up from a break. Uh, those yeah, from the Stewart and Clayton Tonka camp. No, no other trainers could could produce them to go that well. But um, even they, and the, to be honest, this is what makes Emma and Clayton so great. This is part of it because it is very easy when you're dominant to get stuck in your ways, isn't it? And say, well, we're not going to change anything. But I think that they, they looked at the situation and went, I tell you what, I reckon we can get more out of these horses if we um, if we just leave them just that touch underdone first up from a break. Um, get the benefit out of the run, and then they and then they'll get better and better through the campaign. So this is the dominant training team in Victoria, still wanting to improve, and I think you'll see this in all sports and all areas of life, Clevy. If you if you uh, if you ever think you've got it uh, one and done, that's probably when they swamp you, isn't it? But if you're always willing to improve and look at things a new way, that's um, that's how you maintain and sometimes extend your margin. Yeah, correct. And I, I think the turning point was when they started looking more open class racing because they they always concentrated on their two three year olds you know they had the best young horses young horses are probably easier to peak first up they don't have as a demanding uh season you normally have two or three runs have a set race or two spell back and forth again but when you get to open class it's much much tougher racing and if you're massive first up and then that takes the edge off it can we've spoken about this as well it can really sort of stuff up your whole prep i suppose you could say because um you know they're just they've got to back up time and time again but they've been able to and they do it more with i said with their older horses than their babies but they they just seem to be getting them better and better and and mark pitt said he still blew up a little bit so you know he should even improve more third up no matter what race he goes in whether it's a hunter cup whether it's something else but um yeah, they, they've been able to reinvent themselves and approved through the Inner Dominion series. When you look like a horse like Honolulu Bay, he's just gone to a new level, you know. Um, Act now as well, you know, he, he came into that off the four-year-old Vic Breeds and went huge. So they've reinvented their training to, you know, now target what they want to target later on with their older horses. And, uh, and hats off to them because, as you say, a lot of people, when you're that you're at that level and you're winning that many races, you just sort of think, well, this is it. But they've actually looked at it and said, no, nah, we can do better, and and they've done it. Um, we've already mentioned AJ's White Sox. He's, um, I don't know whether, whether I was putting words in uh, in Greg Sugar's mouth on Saturday night, but um, I, I look at that, that um, it's changed names a few times, but the virtual consolation, it's a group one race on Miracle Mile night 
might not be a, a, a reasonable option for AJ's White Sox, but geez, they've got him going pretty good again. And that was, a, he really flew home. The only thing about Hurricane Harley, and I get why they say he's not a Hunter Cup horse, because he sort of, it's his, it's always been his want to hit top gear and run as fast as he can for as long as he can. Um, you'd really have to try and hold him up. Get but The only thing about these long trip races these days, is if he did draw the lead, people just don't put pressure on, do they? Um, too often there's not enough, there's not that great deal of pressure and maybe then he can take off, but he's, he does have a lot of, we talk about him being a spunky little man. He's got a lot of sort of wound up energy, hasn't he? Uh, Hurricane Harley, and he wants to use it at some point in the race. And that might be his, his little undoing is if he just takes off because he was, it's fair to say he was only second up, but he, he did appear, it, the plugs were in, but he was all, he seemed half all out at the same time, but the. So it's it's very difficult to work out what was left, but um, he'd he'd have to be he'd have to be spot on anyway. He'd have to draw well and be spot on if he even if they choose to go to a hunter cup if he wants to win one. I think Clavy, he he will have to. But uh, I know he yeah. I mean, look, AG Sox, White Sox made ground on him late, but if you look at his times, he's gone twenty eight five twenty seven twenty six seven. You don't really have to run much quicker than that. I don't think Mark wanted to hurt him either. Uh, once he was sort of clear halfway up the straight, like Mark sort of wrestled him up for the first 50 in the straight and turned the whip around and sort of just sat on him and, and allowed him, I suppose, to ease up a little bit. So, you know, 26-7 home still after 27. Um, you, you just can't you know, put any little faults on that run. And and that 27 down the back, like you say, he was wound up. He was up on that bit and wanting to really yeah. rip down the back. So I uh, yeah I wouldn't be I wouldn't be worried about the uh, you know the 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 gap closing late because uh, he didn't need to go any quicker than that and like I say AJ's White Sox he was fantastic I think they'd be wrapped with his way he's going he hit the line extremely well yeah. I think the disappointing run in the race was Torrid Saint yeah I would I would agree with that but again you're talking about the twenty six seven quarter it was a great run AJ's White Sox um, and Hurricane Harley I, I want to say it again the plugs were in time for a break when we return. It's a little clean-up session, and then we'll be back for a whole other hour of Metrospective here on SEN Track. You're listening to the Monday Metrospective with Jason Bonington on SEN Track. Off the back in 28-9, third quarter. And it's Majestic Man, five metres, Sundon's Courage. Queen Alina needs to pick up. She battles on, Just Believe ran into a dead end. It's still the Kiwi, Majestic Man with 100 to go. Just Believe back to the inside. Majestic Man's clear, though. Running on from a mile back, Loxley Lover, but Majestic Man, how did he get up to that price? Majestic Man won it and beat either Queen Alina or Sundon's Courage. Hello and welcome back. That was a win by Majestic Man, Tim Williamson. Jeez, Majestic Man's had some fun in Australia. He's one of those Kiwi trotters that just loves Australian racing. Um, big day to be Paul Oxenford Bond from Higo. Uh, yeah, happy Paul Oxenford Day. There was a tweet from by Higo as well. This is his uh, time to shine. I, I tell you what, though, I, I think he'd be happy if he didn't have to because he's the man charged, along with a couple of others, with selecting the Hunter Cup field, and we'll find what, out what that is pretty soon. There's a couple of texts here. Horses and optimism go hand in hand, regards John. And another John, John C. Jay Bond, if you let Harley and Wave run the Hunter Cup, is it fair that a horse like Major Meister, a Group 1 and 2 winner this season, misses out? I don't think that Major Meister would be on the chopping block for them, but um, no, I, I think he'll get a run, Major Meister. I don't 
Hey, I don't know the. I'm not going to put words in uh, in Paul Oxford's mouth. Well, harness racing victorious, but I think Major Meister will get a run. And from James, morning all. Melton was fantastic. I mean, is really going to start to warm up up over the next few weeks. But the disappoint for, disappointment for me is the out of date Gloucester Park track. Nine out of ten leaders win. He doesn't cut it anymore as a metropolitan track. That's an interesting one. You know, it's a funny thing, I reckon, uh, Clevy, before we'll get stuck in a majestic minute. It's a funny thing. A lot of people love Gloucester Park racing, right? Because um, usually very competitive, like very competitive drivers. There's not a lot of um, quarter given, uh, so to speak. There's not a lot of handing up and all the rest of it because you sort of do want to be at the top end. And people think that they can win from anywhere. I will say that it is probably true that um, more leaders do win at Gloucester Park than probably people um, give it credit for because horses look like they're sweeping a lot, but they often don't get there. The, the absolute truth is the nature of the speed of modern, postmodern standard breads means it's very hard. I don't care if it's a, um, if it's a menangle. It's very, very hard to come from well back anyway, isn't it? Because the speed of these horses means that if you're – 15, 20 metres off the lead, and there hasn't been, you know, significant tempo like there was in the opening race at Melton on Saturday night, then you are mathematically um, removed from the contest most times, aren't you? Correct. It's like you say, the word mathematically is the right word to use too because uh, you sit there and crunch the numbers. You cannot make up that ground if they are absolutely flying. You know, if they're running a 26 and a half quarter out in front, you know, you're, you've got to try and break 26 and go mid 25s and there's not many horses that can do that. So it does make it really tough. And it's it's funny that you say, you know, it's outdated. I love it. I, I think it's a great track. I'd love to see... And not, not as our main metro meeting, but I would love to see a 900-metre track, no sprint lane here in Victoria. Um, just, I think it creates interesting racing. There's a lot more moves. Uh, you know, you got to put your horses into the race, that sort of stuff. Uh, I, I would love to see one of those tracks here. And a little bit like 1,200-metre races versus, you know, 22 and 2,700-metre races, I think that little bit of difference can add add to it you know and you'll find yeah. punters that'll love betting on that track and other punters that just love betting at bendigo because it's such a leader dominated track or you know love betting at shepparton because it seems to be a swoopers track so I, I i think it's a great track and i'd love to see it here in victoria well mildura is still one of the highest turnover tracks and um, there's a range of reasons for that um you know sprint lane smaller circumference and all but also uh less sort of um, how do we how do we say this? Uh, less top end uh, trainers and and drivers. It's more of a, an opportunity for everyone to just have a crack. So yeah, I'm with you. I'll, uh, variety is the spice of life. Now, majestic man. Right. I was thinking to myself, um, uh, me mate Brad Williamson last time he was here. Obviously, he uh, attacked hard for the lead and it didn't quite work out. Well, he had a real good crack with majestic man here. And at the time of that lead time popping up on the semaphore board, 43.3, I thought, oh, don't tell me you've overcooked it again here, Brad. But then he was just able to drop anchor, 31 and 31. So it's a great drive in the end. And I'll tell you what, he's done some real damage on Australian soil. This is his second VL Dullard Trotters Cup win. And um, it was a bit of a funny race. So just believe who we are used to being up there playing enforcer was just following through behind Queen Elida, hoping, hoping that Queen Elida would bring him closer to the race. And no doubt, Ducks and Drakes, Chris Alford's thinking, well, I'm not going to just go up, you know, real close too soon because 
Then I'm just giving you an opportunity to peel and roll off my back. Ultimately, Just Believe had to change course in the lane. Fourth versus third. Protest upheld against Ryan Duffy and Sundon's Carriage. Run of the race, for mine, was a horse who I, I really, really, really wanted to follow what he did in this race. And I thought Loxley Lover, uh, he's well on his way to proving He's not six or 12 months away from being competitive in these races. He's here already, but well done to Majestic Man. What did you make of it all? Uh, I can just say everything you just said, and uh, yeah, that's exactly what I had in my notes, mate. Uh, Majestic Man, I was a little bit concerned when he kept pressing so hard. My first thought was, oh, he's doing it again. So uh, I was on the same ball there. Queen Elida, just believe. I just, yeah, I think they just got themselves beat just playing, like you say, Ducks and Drakes, you know. Um, Chris was just sort of hanging back, making sure, because Just Believe's not a sprinter. He thought, well, if I hold back, I can maybe out-sprint the winter and Just Believe won't be able to get off my back. But I think he just gave it too much of a gap at the half-mile mark. He was probably just that one length further back than what he probably should have been. Uh, just Believe, yeah, just the race really wasn't run to suit him. I thought Greg would have just jiggy-jogged around to the death a little bit, like we said about where Seggy earlier on. Queen Elida wasn't going to post him. He would have, She would have been happy to sit on his back and get dragged right up into the race. So uh, I suppose this wasn't his... I mean, as much as it's a big race, it's still not his grand final. So maybe Greg didn't want to get out and give him a real gut buster by being in the death seat. That's probably a possibility. Um, Sundon's courage was good. Again, he's, go, he's back to going really well. I mean, he's been beaten 3.2 metres after working early. Um, he seems to have really found some of his top-notch form again. But with you, Loxley Lover, that was an amazing run. He was seven lengths off him turning into the home corner. And he's run his last half in 50... 6.3 and just flew home to only get beaten one length in 4.1 metres. That was an amazing run. And like you say, we spoke to Beck uh, after a Group 1 win on him and she said she thought he was 12 months away from, you know, being that horse. But he just looks like he's got there a little bit sooner than they expected because uh, he is a serious trotter with uh, a big, big, bright future. Yeah, he's he's uh, he's so fast. He's, he's shown it from the word go. Um, the horse who is six or twelve months away, but will get there is Elder Barandino. He's uh, there's no doubt that he's going to make it. There is just no doubt Elder Barandino is going to be a star as well. But Loxley Lover, I think, I'm not now. He can only be driven one way in those good races at the moment. But that's his go anyway. He's a speed machine, so um, he's going to have to take his turn. I'm not saying he's going to turn up and dominate a major race. I um, I want to hear from Brad Williamson quickly in the interview, uh, Tom Bang, if we can, with Majestic Man, and get a few words from him. And then I'm going to, before the break, I'm going to pose a, a little quandary or a, um, uh, maybe a theory you might call it to you, Clevian. I think you're going to disagree with me, but I think it's worth discussing. All right, Brad Williamson, is he there? No, he's not there, unfortunately. So we'll do it now. I love when you say, uh, I, I know that you're just going to disagree with me. It's like, it's just lining this right up. <laughs> well, I, well I, I just think that I, I know when I say, even when I say this, it doesn't sound right. But then again, watching that race. So it's a Dallard Trotters Cup, right? It should be a group one race already. We, we discussed that ad infinitum in the lead up to the contest. My my little concern is, so you go to the spring in the, for the thoroughbreds. And not that we should be following the thoroughbreds, but we're better. But... I'm saying when you go to the spring, uh, you've got Cox Plate, Caulfield Cup, Melbourne Cup, right? Big races. 
and all of them are incredibly important. So you don't go into the uh, into the Caulfield Cup thing. We, we, we this is a hit out for the Melbourne Cup. You're there to win it, right? Do we have in this Aurora Australia series? Are there too many good trotting, really good trotting races, back to back to back? And is more importantly, is there too much of a prize money differential between the second biggest trotting race and the Great Southern Star? Because Queen Elida and Just Believe, and and I have no problem with this from a from a training and driving perspective, but they there was definitely an air of going around and having it and having a, a heat up run for next week. And when that's the Dullard Cup, there's something about it that doesn't quite work for me. Mate, you're getting no arguments here. I, I actually said that Saturday night and uh, on SEN, um, Damien Watson said to me, oh, you know, we were talking about the, you know, the Ducks and Drakes and playing cat and mouse and that sort of stuff. And he said, oh, how would the owners and the trainers be? And I said, mate, that'd be fine. I said, this is a $50,000 race. Next week's a $500,000 race. I said, don't worry about it. I said, that's just a, a, a hit out for next week. And I said, that wasn't their grand final night. And, and, and I agree. It's, it's, there was not enough there to make it into a, a, a race as such. Um, yeah, how, how you fix it or how you change it, I don't well, know. Should, but, should, yeah. should one of the, at least one of these races, and I reckon the Dullard Cup's the right one, be even if you scrape a little bit off the prize money for the Great Southern Star and you add it so that there's a smaller differential. So at least when you're, for punters, you're looking at it going, well, these are the two major targets and they're two weeks apart or whatever they might be. So that Yeah, if this was 150 and that was 400, then that, yeah. yeah that, so that, so that it makes, makes more sense, sense, doesn't it? So that, that is almost like the Caulfield-Melbourne Cup paradigm, you know what I mean? Where, yeah. where as punters, if we knew this right, like, and it shouldn't be the, it shouldn't be the Dullard Cup that's the, the hit out run, should it? It should be, I don't know. It, it, it feels like it should be a twenty thousand dollar metropolitan. Race. Correct. That's that's how yeah. I. That's and I'm well. I didn't, I didn't know we'd be in such mad concurrence, but yes, yeah. <laughs> I, I just think um, it's dragged a group two down to really just a, a free for all trot. That was just a, a and around. not and not even like a a newfangled group two, the, the Dullard Cup. Yeah. So, um, time on it, and, and again, you and I again totally agree here that this is nothing against Chris Alfred, Greg Sugars, Jess Tubbs, Brent Lilly, um, the owners of either horse because they've got bigger fish to fry this week on Friday night. Yeah. But it's up to us, uh, well, it's up to Harness Race, it's up to programming to be able to create a situation and, and prize money distribution where. I think we know that there's at least a couple of major targets rather than <clears throat> this one massive target on Friday night. Let's go for a break, come back. Uh, we'll solve more problems in the world when we come back and also have a look at race seven. This was a great win. Catalpa Rescue, the second stringer for Shane Sanderson, or apparently so, and the first major win in a Group 2 race for 17-year-old Reigns woman, Abby Sanderson. Welcome back to the Monday Metrospective on SEN Track. Text us on 0499 736 736.
this as they bunch up dangerous fall back the pegs. 30.1 the third quarter and it's the Philly Soho Seraphine from Catalpa Rescue. Then Stars Destiny the inside was chilling. Still trying to get runs was dangerous. 15 off the lead in the straight. It's Soho Seraphine Catalpa Rescue the outside. It's Soho Seraphine and Catalpa Rescue. Catalpa Rescue and Soho Seraphine. Catalpa Rescue wins it. Catalpa Rescue won it from Soho Seraphine. Uh, third home was Keyang Tokyo. It didn't have the best of luck. It was a good run. Wonderful win in the Group 2 VHRC Caduceus Classic by Catalpa Rescue. And here's some words of excitement from a very, very proud and happy young Reigns woman named Abby Sanderson. Abby, congratulations. Now you've got family bragging rights. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, that's right. I definitely won't let Ryan forget this one. <laughs> no. Well, look, let's talk about Catalpa Rescue because what we're hearing from the interviews that Jason Bonington has provided with us tonight, that... They're saying there's not too much between them at home. Uh, what have you thought about it, the whole yeah, scenario? Definitely. Um, Catalpa Rescue and Dangerous, there's very little between them. Probably the only thing is Dangerous does have the manner, like he's um, a bit more mature than Catalpa Rescue, and we always thought that they had the same ability-wise, like they're very, very similar in ability. What Dangerous can do, so can Catalpa Rescue. It's just when he matures, he'll be a very nice horse. And um, he's had a gear change tonight, and, um, yeah, he was super. Abby, when I was 17, they asked me to leave school. I bounced back from that, but uh, you've achieved a little bit more. Tell me what happens at home. Are you allowed to ever drive dangerous and fast work, or do you always drive this one and Ryan always drives dangerous? Oh, well, I used to drive dangerous, and then I got the sack off him <laughs> at home. And then, um, yeah, now, now we just I've, we just alternate, I suppose. No-one else drives dangerous except Dad. And then, um, yeah, it's two others around will drive him. But it's been me the past couple of times because I've been driving him. Uh, wonderful to hear from Abby Sanderson. And uh, she seems so calm, but I said to her during that interview, uh, Cleavy, your heart must be going out at 300 million miles an hour. Underneath those silks, no doubt that was the case. It was a really good. It was, it was a win of a horse that you know is, is going to have a big future. And I tell you what's interesting here, Soho Seraphine. So you think of the um, the Rob Watson line. Well, the dam of um, Catalpa Rescue is Soho Siren. So, um, but Team Larry, the boys, uh, the Larrys, and uh, a number of those other Merv Dillon and those guys who were all involved in Gate have got both Dangerous and Catalpa Rescue. It all just went pear-shaped early for Dangerous. A total forgive run, but there's something about this Catalpa Rescue, just the way he, he held his speed at the line and put his head down. He looked like a horse who, um, it's like a long way off. I, I don't know if he's going to be able to be dominant, like really mi mix it with the Lost Storms and School Captain in the next little while, but I feel like he's got the attributes of a horse down the track who's going to make a good older horse. Yeah, he, uh, he hit top speed a long, long way from home. And like you say, he really held that speed. And uh, he got the better of so Serafine, who, you know, really fought on doggedly. It was a great run by her. And look, we've got to, you know, really give Abby a bit of a wrap here. She, uh, she has come so, so far. Her driving has improved immensely. She's driving with great confidence. It's also coming out, If just listening to that interview, it wasn't that long ago she drove her first Metropolitan winner and we interviewed her at Shepparton 
uh, Skeeter and I were on that night and you could barely get two words out of Abby. She was very shy and very quiet, but you hear her speak now that interview there after the win and, and she's talking, you know, with so much confidence and, and that's just showing in her whole personality, her driving skills, her talking the whole lot. She's just come, come along in absolute leaps and bounds. So it's fantastic to see that. I just tweeted a photo as I was watching the replay it's about 20 metres before they got the, to the line, just as they're going past the Semaphore board. She knew she had it won, and she looked across to the crowd, and I'm tipping she saw her dad or the group of owners or someone, and the smile on her face, it's just the greatest photo. And I hope the photographer, I'm sure he did, get a full, full-on shot of that because it's just going to be an amazing pic to have on a wall. So big hats off and big congratulations to Abby. Congrats to Shane Sanderson. You know, you, you talk about, you know, bored lollies and chocolates and, and that sort of thing. He's He's got the favourite who's uh, got crossed early, then got off into the death seat and then gallops and puts himself out of the race. And he would have been shattered at that stage. And and not even 60 seconds later, he's on top of the world with uh, the stable mate at 100 to 1 getting up and winning. It's uh, It really is an amazing game that we're in, isn't it? Oh, like... And just phenomenal because I did do an interview with uh, Paul Lowry a little bit earlier and Shane Sanderson and, you know, that that was a theme that uh, Dangerous was the um, was the professional where, that in 12 months there might not be a lot between these two horses but that Dangerous was ready to roll. But, um, and, and to be honest, even the way with no luck late, Dangerous got home after that gallop. No doubt he's a good horse. There's just no doubt he's a very good horse. But he just, it just wasn't his night. You mentioned Soho Seraphine. Keying Tokyo, I really like the run. In fact, there were a few, weren't there? Heathburn Bruce was was good. Star of the Show was good. It's just going to turn out to be a, a very, very good form race. And there's, there's a horse down the list there called Aussie Punter, who honestly is, think of the maddest cut snake you've ever seen. And, and, and Aussie Punter is about 80% madder than that really angry cut snake. Um, but if... Uh, if Eva works it out, Aussie punter be a very, very good horse. But uh, I, I, I don't. Is he the equine version of Jason Bonington? Oh, I, I think he's even worse than me. Honestly, I, I'll be honest with you. He's <laughs> like me at my worst. Put it that way, Clevy. Um, it was. Uh, I don't know where to where to rank this. I'm thinking, um, with all due respect, and we are, you know, honouring the winners because you've got to be there. You've got to be in it to win it. And um, huge congratulations, to Abby Sanderson. I'm thinking that if school captain had been there, he wins by a fair way, personally. I mean, total agreeance with you there, Bond. It's as good as a win and as good as a race as it was, I do think that this was the race of the second-tier three-year-olds. Um, you know, school captain and, you know, the lost storm, I think they've got a few lengths on these horses. So, yeah, as you say, not trying to take anything off the win or anything like that, but if you really want to, you know, talk down straight and narrow on it, I, I do think that, uh, you know, that they're not quite there yet to, you know, the likes of those couple of horses and, and maybe a few others. And I mentioned on uh, the Trots Vision coverage, but for those uh, very naughty people who weren't shooting in, uh, hopefully you were listening to uh, Clevy on, uh, on SEN track on Saturday night if you weren't shooting in or doing both at the same time. But uh, I did um, have a few brief words with Nathan Jack and there's nothing wrong. Like, school captain's good as gold. He could have raced... When you've got horses that good, um, and this is uh, a, a great uh, measure of of Nathan and his um, his respect for this horse and what a good horseman he is, it's a hundred thousand dollar race that was there for for the for the picking, and 
with just a little niggle where he could have raced. Nathan says, no, nah, we're not doing this because this is, you know, this is a horse of a lifetime. And they're, the, they're really admirable decisions but tough decisions to make, aren't they, Clevy? You get, you get yourself a – you've got this really, really high-quality horse and you're sort of looking at there's an orange on a tree over here that you can have right now. Well, there's a massive, beautiful mango over there that you can have if, you, if you're just willing to deny yourself the orange. And um, that was a weird analogy. Uh, but, uh, but that, I think, is what Nathan Jack did. I think, I've got no doubt school captain could have raced, but he's thinking to himself, we've got a New South uh, Wales derby around the corner and, and plenty of other ways to grab the cash. And, um, you know, I admire that decision. Yeah, for sure. And it wasn't just a little orange either. That was a pretty big orange. Yeah, it's a big orange. It's a big Valencia. Yeah, that was juicy. Something in it. Like yeah. it was, it was a $100,000 orange hanging on that tree. So, yeah, that, that sort of decision, mate, would give your ulcers, I tell you. It's, um, it's something that you couldn't do lightly. And I'm sure it played through his mind a lot of times, you know. And, it, you know, it's probably easy to say, oh, he's just made the decision because have a look at what's on, you know, in front of you. But a $100,000 race, he he would have thought about it long and hard and and possibly changed his mind a few times as well. But uh, in the long run, as you say, he's he's looked to the future and he said, no, nah, we, we've got a horse here that we're going to have a lot, a lot of fun with. I, I know it's under grand race, but it's only one race and there is always another race. So, you know, hats off to him for doing that it's uh it's a big call and uh and i bet you abby sanderson is uh absolutely stoked that they did so yeah it was yeah. uh it would have been a hard call but as i said for the ones that were in the race it was a it was a terrific race to watch i think this is the uh the great thing about uh having you either own them yourself or um or having strong uh, a really strong relationship with um owners as shane sanderson i think does with uh, the Larry boys and um, and everybody else involved with Catalpa Rescue and Dangerous, but no doubt Nathan has with uh, Lawrence Bloodstock and Bill and Ann Anderson where you can sit down and have the chat and come up with a collaborative decision and that's the way it should be. And I love to celebrate the owners, but um, and I th- we, 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 love, we, we love you owners, but I will say this. I reckon more often than not, as we go to the news, you should probably listen to what your trainer's got to say uh, because... They probably know. Let's go over the news, come back, and we'll talk about race eight, the breakthrough pace final. This was a big win. The second in successive starts on Australian soil for the Jason Grimson trained better zippet. Welcome back to the Monday Metrospective on SEN Track. Text us on 0499 736 736. Has beat off Whiskey Cavalier. 27 5 third quarter. And it's better zipping in front up to the home turn from Whiskey Cavalier. Curly James out of the pack runs on now. And then came out wider. What's up, Sunshine? Cosimo Hulini in the widest runner. Better zipping two metres. Curly James is getting up to second. Further back then to Cosimo. And what's up, Sunshine? Better zipping kicks on though. It's better zipping from Curly James. Better zipping's finding plenty. And better zipping's too good. That was some good uh, tough win. Better zipping three metres on the line to. Uh, Curly James, a good run second, a great battle for third. Welcome back. Metrospective, Steve Cleave, Jay Bond joining you on a Monday early afternoon now. Um, Jay Bond. Better zip it cannot, uh, I don't think, given the depth of the nominations, better zip it can't get a run on the Hunter Cup, right? But having said that, I think he would beat 
the number of the runners who probably will get a run home. He's good. Like this was the the first win was um, flashy and glamorous and um, but got things all his own way here. He was really a sitting duck, I thought. 43-1 lead time. Um, had to press forward. First quarter, 30, okay. But then they get running again, 28-6, 27-6, 28-4. So for context, as wonderful as Hurricane Harley was, and I love him, Peter Zibbett's gone 0.8 of a second quicker and on a track that – now in retrospect, I think that, the you know, any issues with the track might have been a little bit overrated because I don't think they're going to go, you know – a hell of a lot quicker than this, but 153.3, even if you take half a second off that, um, saying that the track's going to improve heading into the Hunter Cup, it was, this was a really good win, Clevy. Yeah, it certainly was. He was my other best bet of the night. Uh, his, his win in the heat at Ballarat was just, yeah, he'd done it so easy. He was absolutely cruising. Uh, and again, he, he was a bit of a sitting duck, as you say. He had to work a little bit harder to get to the front. He was stuck three wide for a little way. Finally got to the front going down the back. And uh, when you look at the quarters, 28-6, 27-6. He's gone 56-2, middle half. Then he's still gone a 56 dead last half. And uh, that's, uh, you know, that's absolutely rolling. And uh, he, he just... I don't know. That they say he's going to be a, an open class horse very quickly, and you just can't disagree with that by the way he's been going. Curly James was super running home in the second, and another great bet. And this is of our black bookers. We keep saying, you know, the horses in our black bookers are making us money, and Cosimo is one of our best money makers. You just keep backing in the place every single start. He's got about twenty-seven exclamation marks next to his name. I got on him Saturday night. He paid five dollars seventy for the place on wow. fixed odds, and went. You got to be kidding me! So he it was a bit of a rust and tough uh, sort of run up the straight. He locked wheels halfway up the straight, and I was just about crying when he locked wheels with What's Up Sunshine, and thought he's not going to do it. But as soon as uh, Dasher eased, got unlocked, and then went again. He just stuck his head out when it mattered, and uh, he only got in by like 10 centimetres to get third. But, again, you, you just got to keep putting exclamation mark, exclamation mark, exclamation mark next to his name because he is just flying, and he's got to win one soon. But, you know, when you're chasing home horses like Better Zip, but who looks to be, like you say, an, an outstanding type, it's uh, it shows how good his run actually was. Well, I think it was an off the black bookers because uh, much lower price, but uh, I'd uh, had Curly James in there and... He was really good. Having said that, they were all there to beat Better Zibbit under these circumstances. If you'd known the race was going to be run this fast, I still thought it would have thought Better Zibbit wins. But um, I would have thought Hooli Nian gets a lot closer. Um, you wonder whether he's, he's – there's a couple of things with Hooli Nian, whether he's a uh, – he loves backing up and whether he's putting so much into uh, uh, runs without getting a reward that it's – what that what that starts to do to you because I don't think he was quite as good here and I think I think I think that's pretty is that clear. Hooli Nian? Sorry, yeah. Is that Huli Nian? Well, I'm just having a look at his sectionals. He's ran his first half in fifty-seven five, middle half fifty-five six, last half fifty-five four. Actually, ran his last mile in one fifty-two ninety-seven. So, yeah, I don't think he could do much more, which probably. Mm. Doesn't look as good as he actually probably gone when you look at his sectionals. No, it's it's one of those things again. Like I, I look at his, uh, no doubt he's gone well. Like he's definitely gone well. But, but I look at his run from the previous start, 
Yeah. And there's no numbers that could convince me that he didn't go better at his previous – like his previous performance was outrageously good. I think I think if he replicates that um, – not numerically, but in terms of what I would call, you know, an A-plus performance. I thought that was an A-plus. I thought this is more like an A-minus or a B-plus from him. And it, but, off, but it is very, very, very hard, even for sit sprinters, to go out there and break the clock week in, week out. I know people will say, well, if you're a sit sprinter, you're only sort of burning for 800 metres, but it's still going to take the absolute urine out of you to do that on a regular basis. So the other run, yeah. the other horse, the I think, it, it, that's two good runs in a row. What's up, Sunshine? Um, is uh, is definitely going very very well. And what do we make of what do we make of Big Whiskey Cavalier? Yeah, um, yeah, it's sort of disappointing. Sort of, sort of not. The times they went made it extremely hard. I was wrapped when he went around to the death. I thought I actually got on him at three dollars ten the place, and I thought that's a terrific bet because he's. Second best horse in the race on, you know, class, I thought. Um, but, yeah, he really struggled. 28-6, um, 27-6, it, it does make it extremely tough. And I'm just going to go back to Hull in the End. So Hull in the End was in the first heat that I was in at Ballarat. He wasn't in the winner's heat. And they went 31-9, 30.5, 29-3 and ripped home a quarter which we know Hull in the end can, you know, he's got explosive speed. And then Saturday night, you know, they've gone 30 dead, then 28-6, 27-6, That takes the speed out of horses like Hull in the end. It's taken the legs out of Whiskey Cavalier trying to sit outside of him. Um, You know, I think that makes Cosimo's runs even bigger than what it sort of looked. So, I'm a little bit more forgiving because of how the race was run compared to the race at Ballarat. As I said, he looked magnificent at Ballarat, but he only had to run 500 metres at Ballarat or 600 metres, whereas he was running from the 1,200 metre mark just to be running the same speed as the leader, uh, you know, on Saturday night. So two extremely different races. So, yeah, I'm a little bit forgiving. Um, I, I rank Cosimo a little bit higher because of that, and better zipper, just outstanding. There's, there's no doubt that that is always a factor with sit sprinters, no doubt at all. But um, some of them, the, so the the key as we get a break, uh, the key to being a a top class sit sprinter is being able to sustain that to sustain the, the speed and be able to follow speed. So you look at a horse like Better Eclipse when he's 100 percent right. He's yeah. a he's a horse who actually enjoys it the harder you you go and and he he cruises on that tempo doesn't he? Hull in the end, I agree with you, is probably one of those horses that really enjoys to be coddled and I mean he he has gone fifty four two over the middle trip at Melton, so he he can follow some speed, but that was pretty frenetic on Saturday night. And you're right, I, I think it's an underrated thing and a great point that you make, Clevy, that um you you can be last in a field going this speed. And you're still going. The, you're still going the speed. Once you settle, you're still having to run to keep up with the uh, the peloton, aren't you? So it is taking something out of you. The only concern that I have for Hulini Ian is, I I do want him to be one of those horses who can win a you know a pretty good race at some point. But there's not going to be too many really high quality races where they go. 30, 29, 28, 26, and you're able to peel and roll from back of the field and 
and win them. Um, we actually might get through one more race here because we haven't got the audio of Chinese Whisper. So we'll get through one more race and then take a break and come back with the final event and that great story with uh, my man Bobby Kutchenmeister. Now, Chinese Whisper, this was easy work, wasn't it? And I'll tell you what, when he took off, um, it was – this is the horse that I that I sort of fell for when he came over from New Zealand. And I even pressed Kate. I was in a bit of a mood on Saturday night. I was – Asking the hard ones, like we spoke about last week, Clevy, and um, sort of match race for three or 400 metres with Majestuoso. And there was a pseudo concession that maybe even Chinese Whisper, top, top, top speed, might be a little bit, little bit quicker than Majestuoso's, which is uh, a pretty huge comment. And I'm really hoping, I'm Andy Gath wouldn't agree with me, but I'm hoping Chinese Whisper gets a run on the Great Southern Star more than I'm hoping Catch a Wave gets a run on the Hunter Cup. Mm, interesting. I think the, I yeah. think Chinese whisper. I, I think you'll I, enjoy I, it. I don't know whether Catch a Wave can win the Hunter Cup. I, I, no. I want to see him there. I don't know whether he can win it. I think this horse can win the Great Southern Star. Yeah, this horse is just peaking at the absolute right time. One thing with trotters, they tend to when they get in the zone, they hold it there for a few, quite a few runs, and and this horse is just now right in that zone. And Andy couldn't have timed it any better with the the Great Southern Star coming up next week, uh, Friday. Um, so yeah, the, he's just absolutely peaked at the right time. So I agree. I I think it's definitely got a chance. It's gone from being a horse that. He was so hit and miss. You didn't know if you had him or not. To now, looks like he is just a star in the making. So, whatever Andy's done, it's worked. He's he's figured him out, and uh, I'm sure he had a few sleepless nights over this horse because uh, he showed ability the day he first arrived on our soil, and then he's just uh, yeah, he's put in some confusing runs, and and I'm sure he's certainly done Andy's head in a few times. But uh, he's worked him out, and he could not be going any better at the moment than what he's going now. You just don't see them space their rivals. Like if, 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 if anybody wants to go back and watch the replay and watch from the the four hundred to the two hundred, it is like he just floats away from them. He's he's a really good horse. Uh, before we go to the break, I can't um, come up with too much more from the race. Really, Robbie Royale was good running on late hatchback. Um, scope for Central Otago. I, I I certainly didn't have too much. Uh, of a profound nature to add from the remainder of the race, other than how good Chinese Whisper was, Clevy. Yeah, Chinese Whisper, excellent. My disappointment from the race was Sheets of Pleasure. I thought finds the front, found it fairly comfortably, should have been on his back running second and sort of dropped off to run fourth. That was probably the only disappointing run out of the race. Like that, you know, that really grabbed my eye was that run. I, I expect it to be running second. So, yeah, but the winner, just far too good. Uh, break time, but before we go, have a great day, Mr. Bonington and Steve. Fingers crossed our second interested harness may be stepping out this week from Big Fella. Whether he gets a run or not, maybe the issue. All the best, gents. Good luck, Big Fella. I'll be yeah, giving you a name. What is it? Yeah, what is the name? Big Fella? I wouldn't mind. He uh, kept that one quiet. I don't know it. Um, and Richard says Bondi locked in, went 52.5 last 800 off the track. That was at Menangle. He's. Uh, that he's was the be, perfect first up. He, it wasn't it. He's going to be awfully hard to beat the Miracle Mile and everything he how, contests. How good did he settle and how good did he hit the line? Like Luke was only out there just as a bit of a hit out. Uh, but, geez, he hit the line so good and just relaxed so well in the race. It's it's awesome to see because uh, we know how much talent he's got. Mark my words, we've we've seen some dramatic performances from some of his um, contemporaries in that age group last season. Bondi lockdown's the best of them. 
Bondi lockdown is the best of them. Let's go for a break. Yeah. Come back. We've got one more segment to go, one more race. And then we'll give our black book and Steve Cleveland, Jay Bond on Metrospective on SEN Track. Welcome back to the Monday Metrospective on SEN Track. Text us on 0499 736 Um, we're a bit time poor at the moment because we want to go through the noms for the undercover as well. Um, so we won't go through my entire interview with uh, Bobby Kutch and Meister, but here's a little snippet. You can find it on uh, the trots.com.au socials page and uh, Facebook as well, I think. A big smile on your face. I think you've had it ever since you won. Um, maybe maybe you came off the back, but you didn't know they were coming for you. How are you feeling right now? Uh, look, pretty good. Pretty good. I, I kind of thought she'd fight it out. She just... Gets her nose in front and she says, well, that's me, I'm, I'm staying here. That's her. I'm not the driver, she is. You're a warrior, right. I know from living in Geelong that you, you had the uh, uh, quintuple bypass surgery, whatever it was, the, heart, the ticket wasn't working about 20 years ago. You've kicked on. She's a warrior. As she was crushing the leader coming off the back, I thought, how much more can she give? But she doesn't know when to stop. Well, Neither do you. Same thing. On the, on the corner, she started to buckle a little bit, and I thought, oh, you're a bit, a bit naughty. I had to grab hold of her a fraction, and she just said, okay, well, we'll get on with it, and that's, that's it. Away we go. She did put in a couple of... There is a little bit of Bobby, what a legend. Uh, and we'll quickly talk about the win. I was, a, I was worried. I was worried. Leanne, Leanne, though, did put in a few stutter steps, but gee, she's... Well, they're, they're one and the same. Bobby and Leanne, Leanne, aren't they? They, they are just warriors. I school flu load. Gaelic lad was good, but um, she, she thoroughly deserved it, and so did Bobby, Steve. Yeah, and she earned it too. Not, not only deserved it, but she earned it. She did some work early. She did uh, a lot of work, you know, putting the to the leader down the back. So uh, she thoroughly earned that, and it was just fantastic to see. He's an absolute legend, Bobby, and as you said, we could have listened to him all night long. Yeah, I, uh, I'd be, I would be happy to have a nine-hour interview with Bobby. Uh, we might. Is there anything else from the race? Uh, Red, white, and bloom, obviously, question mark heavily back. But Chris Lang told us before the race, just to, just to calm the farm a little bit. Um, not much more from me. Is there anything else in that last race before we go to a break and come back with the hundred cap noms? No, it was very. That was pretty much it. As you said, our uh, Trots Vision coverage gave uh, everyone that knowledge that Chris Lang said this horse is not ready, and uh, the punters, you know, said they'd already come. I think it was too late for him to get off. Yep, time for a break. Oh, I said this, but they might have run out of time. Big fella has expanded the Trots Life ownership for this one too. Cheers, Stu. Time for our final break. Come back with the Hunter Cup noms, our opinions, and also some black bookers here on Metrospective on SEN Track with Steve Cleave and Jabon. Welcome back to the Monday Metrospective on SEN Track. Text us on 0499 736 736. Final little segment here. Uh, Metrospective edition of Trot's Live. Um, Noms. Let's go, Clevy, and then we'll get to the Black Boogers. Right, Have you got them in front of you? I do. All right. Let's, uh, have you got your 12? Uh, I've got four days. Right. <laughs> Let's go. Okay. So copy that. Yes. Yes. Honolulu Bay. Yes. Yes. Mac Dan. Yes. Yes. Pete said so. No. Question mark. Expensive ego. Yes. Yes. Catch a wave. Yes. Yes. Major Meister. Yes. Yes. Spirit of St. Louis. Yes. 
Old Town Road. It's got to be a question mark, I'm afraid. Yeah, I've got him in as a yes. I'd like him uh, there, but it's got to be a question mark. Hmm? Yeah, Jellyby Sylvester. Oh, poor bugger, nah. Nah, Crime Rider. Nah. Nah, I Cast No Shadow. Yep. Yep, Triple Eight. Just. Yeah, I've got him in as a yes. Hurricane Harley. Oh. I don't know. Don't do it to me. What even, is he a yes for you? Uh, well, I actually didn't even put him in because I don't know that I'll be running him. All right, we'll say no for now. So that's where I left him out. Cranburn. No, uh, Borderline. Yeah, I'll put him in as a yes. Torrid Saint. Borderline. I'd left him out on his run Saturday night. Max Delight. Yes. Yes, Rock and Roll do. Yes, but I don't know that they'll run him either. Yeah. Oh, this is so weird. Um, if Rock and Roll do doesn't go in it, I've got the twelve. I've got it down to twelve. Spit out some black bookers real fast, Clevy. I've got no new ones. All mine are staying in. Daylight at dawn, so white. Curly James, Cosimo, and Loxley Lover. They're already in our black book, and they're staying in. And don't forget, Emma Stewart, second up. Keep it in your black book. I love it. And you were the first man to talk about it. And the other ones I'd include: Keying Tokyo and Star of the Show. I'm throwing in. But apart from that, yeah, Daylight at Dawn, a number of the, um, we call them the perpetual black bookers here at Metrospective. Well done, Clavey. Great show, mate. Thanks, John. Javon, always enjoy it. Uh, it's been great giving you, hopefully, some winners for the future, but this is day one, basically. This is the seminal point. Today, we're going to find out the Hunter Cup field. Hopefully, tomorrow, the fields will drop at night three and night four of the summer of glory, Friday and Saturday, trucks up to come. Goodbye.